0: Access Credit Union has always been at the heart of our community through good and bad times. We want to continue to play our part in helping our community through the COVID-19 crisis. As businesses reopen, we encourage our community to work together by staying local, borrowing locally, and spending locally. Access Credit Union is here to help.
1: Close your eyes and pull like a dog. And a new... Irish
0: record
1: for Phil Healy 22.99 No Cooney hands over the Samaguara Cup to Graham County Cork all Ireland champions for the seventh time ever
2: Hello and welcome to the Star Sport podcast my name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarty Before we kick things off this week I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. In a few minutes we'll be joined by ex-Cork and Island Rovers footballer Deere McDougan to run the rule on a dismal day in Park Aqueve that saw Tipperary Crown Munster Champions for the first time in 85 years at the expense of Cork. We'll also chat to Enniskeens or Le Cronin, ahead of Cork's All-Ireland semi-final meeting with Kilkenny this Saturday afternoon. But let's jump straight into the fallout from Parkie Quive on Sunday. Mid, I'll come to you first. What was the overriding feeling when the final whistle went on Sunday? Um,
3: usually disappointing, to be honest. Um, I think after the highs of beating Curry in the previous game, I think... I'm not sure, but I think a lot of people probably expected much, much more from this Cork team. Um, Tipperary had been uh, spoken about and talked up a little bit, you know, um, some of their key players, and I suppose the fact that they were in All-Ireland semi-final four years ago. But it didn't. It, it seemed to almost fall on deaf ears, really, and um, Cork just were very disappointing in a lot of people's eyes, you know, and they just didn't perform today. the day, and most of all, they will be disappointed themselves, you know, more than anyone else, I think, in their own performance.
2: Yeah, Kieran, we'll talk about the game in more detail in a minute. But just your own overriding feeling watching the game—you were obviously there. It was flat. What did you think when the final whistle blew?
1: It's just a huge opportunity missed for this Cork football team, and um, all the good work of of beating Kerry two weeks previously—it almost comes for nothing now. Because I think this this Cork team—it's on on a road somewhere. Like it's kind of it's on an upward curve. It's it's um, the the traje- trajectory is positive. But they need something tangible. They need some silverware or something to show for it. And of course, once they their football titans since, since 2012, um, that would cap a really positive year. But now they've ended the year on a low note. You know, kind of most people will just think of this season as the season that Carr failed to turn up against Tippen and kind of didn't win a monster title. That was there for the taking for them. Um, so it's just one of huge disappointment, Jack, to be honest.
2: Well, we might finish up this chat at the end with a kind of a reflection on the season as a whole but let's jump in to the actual Munster final itself now and dear, I want to come to you first on this one because the Cork defence has come in for some criticism since Sunday and you'd have to say that they never really got a handle on the two marquee tipperary forwards Conor Sweeney and Michael Quinlevin. what went wrong in your own opinion and what could Cork have done differently on the day
3: I think first of all, um, you know, right from the first minute um Terreri race into, you know, a one point, two point, three point lead. And I think it became very obvious, you know, that Cork were still their mindset was still back in parking week from two weeks before and beating Kerry. And I don't know, was it the you know, they played Curry in a nighttime game under lights, they played Terreri on a beautiful morning, completely different uh, conditions. And for whatever reason they were just not at the um not not at the right kind of level, you know, of a Munster final, I think. And uh, it was just very disappointing. But you're right, I think the defence, number one, they were definitely uh, standing too far off their opposing markers. You know, that was very, very obvious in the first minute. Um, and, like, I suppose when you compare that to season campaigners like even Johnny Cooper, Dublin, and these kind of guys, like, they would not let that happen. And um, then, to very far, it just seemed to create you know to get that separation space in order to win the ball it was just all a little bit too easy for them and i suppose it's 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 the easy answer is to be critical of their direct opponents and say that they just weren't tight enough but it it looked very much like that cork just didn't they weren't quite sure on what to do in defense because they had a few men sitting back um kind of trying to dominate space and trying to take up space and they weren't quite sure where they were going i think and um it just looked like they didn't have a defined plan on how to stop these guys. Um, obviously, their, their direct markers weren't tight enough on uh, Sweeney and uh, Quinlevin to begin with, but even those extra guys that were back didn't seem to know where to go and things like that. And I remember the first water break, um, one of the Cork defenders having a long chat with uh, Keane O'Neill, and it just looked like they weren't quite sure on what to do with runners coming through in that. So um, definitely, I think um, the defence would have to come in for some sort of criticism, but maybe as a as a team unit and as, as a defensive unit, maybe the management also, you know, didn't quite get it right in the day, I think.
2: Kieran, just to move this on a bit then, on the podcast that came after Cork's win over Kerry, me and Dyrmid spoke about the intensity levels that Cork showed throughout. We touched on an incident where Cork gave up a free because they got into Kerry faces. There didn't seem to be that same level of intensity from Cork across the board on Sunday. Do you think that was missing from their defensive setup as well?
1: Hundred uh, percent, Jack. And like you ever mentioned earlier, that Tipperary wheeled off three points within three minutes um, last Sunday, and they got off to a flying start. And if you think back to the Cork Kerry game a couple of weeks ago, Ian McGuire got stuck in David Moore and right before the ball was even thrown in, and that was Ian McGuire and Cork. They were kind of kind of laying down the gauntlet, saying, "We're not going to be pushed over today. We are kind of we're here to fight you. Like we're, we're going to go to war." But that intensity was not there at all the last day. And um the kind of, we talk about the Cork defence, which is so inexperienced too. Five of, of the starting six backs for age 22 or under, you three Cork under twenties so last year starting there. And that inexperience was, was showing up big time. You um, talk about the lack of intensity, even going forwards. Um, like how many balls the Cork cough up? You know, you never see Rory Dean coughing up. Um, like he's, he's a great man to break lines. But he was running into the tip last left. He was coughing up the ball. Colin McAllen was was struggling to make an impact, and that intensity and that was that manic work rate, that savage work rate that they showed against Kerry, it, it was it was badly lacking the last day. Um, for whatever reason, it's it, it's hard to kind of it's hard to figure out why. I think that's what um would reflect on both. It was very noticeable from the start, Jack, that that intensity was it was lacking and it was lacking all throughout. And instead it, it was Tipperary doing all the running. And the one thing I'd say too is Tipperary didn't have to in the nice way up their game too much, you know, because they weren't they weren't pushed by the by this corp team. Corp just seemed timid last day, you know, they seemed timid. Even at the second water break, I was looking down at them from from the press box and you just didn't see this you just didn't see what you wanted to see from a group of guys who were three points down in a monster final, but they were still in with a shot. They were playing badly, but they were still within striking distance. But that that work great intensity, ferocity, it just wasn't there.
2: Dear me, uh, one of the players Kieran mentioned there was ian Maguire, and the dominance in the middle third was practically the winning of the game against Kerry, with the likes of Maguire, Dean O'Hanlon, all having an influence. That seemed to be a little less evidence evident even on Sunday with Tips, Sydney Swan, who we mentioned last week as well, Colin O'Riordan, getting the upper hand a lot of the time. Could Marquine have been introduced earlier because he seemed to have an effect when he came on, winning a couple of big kickouts over Colin O'Riordan?
3: Yeah, possibly in the air maybe, but I suppose a, a big indicator very often of a team's hunger and desire is how they work on the breaks. And I think against Curry, Cork dived in the ball, they, they died in the ball, they put their bodies in the way and all that. But as Kieran said, all that was uh, lacking the last day, I think. So, you know, in one way you could say that maybe they should have introduced someone else. But, I mean, there wasn't, for all, um, you know, even Colin O'Rearton's dominance in midfield, there wasn't a huge amount of ball picked clean over the sky. A lot of it was breaks. And Tabrari just seemed much, much hungrier on the day, which is a big, big disappointment uh, from a Cork point of view. But um, also, like Kieran mentioned, do you know, the desire there earlier. I think from an offensive point of view as well, there was very, very little support runners. You know, he mentioned Rory a lot of times going down blind avenues and running into walls of three and four. And to be fair to Rory, I think many times he tried to straighten the line and bring a little bit of injection of pace into it. But there was no support runners with him. There was nobody left of him, nobody right of him. And when you compare that into the temporary um, offensive breaks, they were running in packs of three and four. So there was options left and right of the runners all the time. And Cork, for whatever reason, we don't really know, but they didn't seem to have that energy about them the last day, um, which they brought against Kerry because, you know, you had the likes of Powder running from cornerback. You, you had Flathead running from cornerback supporting all these runners. But Cork just didn't seem to have that the last day. And an interesting thing, actually, I noticed as well, I remember watching the game live at the time and I, I remember thinking many of the frees, either the outfield frees or sidings that Cork won, nearly every single time, they went either sideways or backwards. And so I watched back the game and I actually took a count of it. And I think it was only two of those outfield frees that weren't in scoring positions now, two of those outfield frees are sidelines where they went forward. And actually one of them was margin. It was almost sideways. So every other one of them, there was about eight of them went backwards. And I mean, I think that's all very well. And it's good to be patient, you know, when, you're, when a defence is set up against you and things like that. Dublin do it regularly. They go backwards sideways until they probe, until an opportunity arrives. But what was this funny, I think, about the Cork point of view was they didn't even look to go forward. Every time they wanted free, they just automatically turned around and went backwards to try and recycle. So as as Kieran said there, tip weren't even pushed. I mean, to get men back, all they had to do then was they, they literally had to jog back. They didn't even have to sprint back and get set up because cork were content to go backwards and sideways instead of, you know, taking a chance and maybe being a bit a little bit more ambitious. And I think that's what was very disappointing as well. Cork didn't show the ambition or the bravery, maybe to look forward a little bit quicker and a little bit earlier. And they were very content to play a conservative game. And it's just very disappointing, to be honest. And in, in many ways, they kind of played the exact same game plan, I think, that they came up with against Curry, But as we all know, conditions, the game plan against Currie, I feel, was absolutely perfect because the conditions dictated that type of game plan where you hold on to possession, you retain it, and you keep probing until an opportunity arises. But conditions were different uh, the last day against Tipperary. A Joy day, a joy sod, the ball was bouncing, and they didn't look forward at any stage, really, which was very disappointing. And even when you think about uh, Tipperary's offensive play, they got a number of marks, which just shows their ambition to go forward and try for those. Cork never really looked like um, getting a few marks, which could be worth two or three points in the game, which suddenly closes the gap, you know, so... Overall, I think their game plan left a lot today to be desired, and I think it was quite disappointing from a management point of view You know that they were so conservative in their approach as well.
2: Well, that lack of ambition and lack of bravery that you mentioned kind of feeds into another of their biggest problems that I felt on the day, and that was their lack of a scoring threat, especially after Luke Connolly was withdrawn at half time. So as you mentioned, the lack of the bravery to kick it in to the full forward line, essentially, because when they actually did do that, Brian Hurley did make an impact and so there was a lot of huffing and puffing throughout but it seemed as though very few were willing to take responsibility so Kieran, what would you put that down to why is a county like Cork with one of the biggest football playing populations in the country unable to have people willing to take that responsibility on the biggest day of the year
1: yeah, because you look at eight eight fellas or twenty two or under who played the last day, and there was a good few making their their first appearance in a in a Munster football final. So, um, to be fair to this Cork team, it's a youthful team, you know. Like I mentioned earlier, so many of the the Cork the twenties from last year's All women team played. I think there was five of them in total. Um, so it's a it's it's a young Cork team. But you you do look to your leaders to stand up on on the big day because that's where they can show encouragement, leadership, and so on. And like I mentioned earlier, Ian McGuire, I thought, had a, had a very good game. He was probably Cork's best performer over 70 minutes. Mark Collins, the, the shift he put in was incredible. I remember one point in the in the second half, looking back, and he was kind of picking up the ball in his own full-back line. But is, is that is
2: that a positive, really? He's supposedly playing in the forward line, and he's one of the better scorers, one of the best scorers on the entire panel, and he's picking up the ball in the full-back line with five minutes to go in the Munster final. Surely you want your best scoring forwards up close to the opposition goal so I don't know Dermot do, what what do you think of the role Mark Collins is playing there?
3: Yeah I'd agree like, Mark is a fantastic player no matter where he's playing whether it's corner forward or whether it's out the field um, definitely Cork are, are lacking some of those finishers particularly when Luke Conley went off and Mark is a great finisher as well so I think the game plan that Carcand with, the, um, with the, the game plan they went with the last they certainly didn't work and I think the management would probably be the first to admit that that they got it wrong you know and that happens in games sometimes and that's when you're hoping that the players maybe can pick up the pieces and kind of scrape a win even when things aren't perfectly how they would have planned or whatever but um, yeah I would agree that Mark probably should have been playing certainly in hindsight but it is not as easy in hindsight of course you know. I suppose they were hoping that his energy and his work rate around the middle would help, and his ability to to kick pass into the the extra space creating side, which he vacated. I suppose I, I presume that was the idea of it. Um, you know, that would leave more room for Lou Connolly and Brian Hurley inside. But the problem was they didn't kick enough in, and they persisted to run into blind avenues. And they were kind of lone runners every time. there were lone runners. Not enough people uh, running left and right of the of the ball
1: carrier. I think. Can I touch on something, Jack, that David that mentioned there, and I suppose it's the marquee forwards. When you look at a tip Sweeney and, and Quinlevin, and they kick 12 points between them, like they're exceptional. And you look at Cork's forwards, and I, I think it actually opens up an interesting kind of conversation, like we've had a long winter ahead of us. But have Cork enough marquee forwards to actually to push themselves into that next level, that that top level. Um, to be fair to Brian Hurley and Carla Manny, came on, they were very isolated inside there. But when you look at the Cork attack over the last couple of games, um, from they created no kind of score chance from open play. I know Marquine got the goal against Kerry, and that was such an important score. But that came out of just a pot shot from Luke Connolly. Um, Go back to last year's championship, Cork were banging in goals. They got uh, three against Roscommon. They got two against Tyrone. They got three against Kerry. They got a couple against Limerick. They scored against Dublin. But that threat was badly lacking in, in uh, in this year's championship. And I think the opposition have wised up the Cork's kind of running game because I think it's very easy, and Dearman might know better, like to set up defensively against Cork uh, against now because you know how they're going to, going to play their, I suppose, the, the overlines on hand passing this running game. Um, and it's just interesting too, before the Cork Kerry game, Peter Keane in the press conference made mention of of Cork's goal threat last year before, um, after the game against TIP the last day, David Paul, the TIP manager, actually made reference to Cork's score trace as well. So I think teams have they've almost wised up to, to how this Cork team was playing. And I just think the Cork attack is lacking something. And I think it was very evident the last day, kind of, have Cork had a player who could score five, six points more from play, you know, kind of, um, maybe on, on a good day, someone might, but a team that consists, that can consistently a player that can consistently get those scores. Look at Kerry, Dave Clifford. Look at look at Cork. Uh, look at Anne Dublin. Dave Dean Rock and a couple of more kind of um, Kieran O'Connor up in Mayo. Kind of all the big teams seem to have that go to men that go to forward. But when you're looking at the Cork team right now, I find it hard to pick which fellow would get you five, six, seven points from open play. I know Luke Connolly's superb, and um, a good day he might get one five. But another day then him, he, he might finish at two points and get sucked off after 40 minutes. So um, I think it, it, it's an interesting one just to see kind of go, going forward, card in the pun, um, what Carr can do with their attack to get more out of it. And are, are, are the players even there in the county at the moment? I saw Michael Shields put up a tweet after the game, mentioned that Stephen Sherlock wasn't even in the squad. You know, so it's it just, I think it's an interesting one for the Cork management to use over um, over the next couple of weeks and months.
2: Dermot, do you want to come in there on the lack of a Cork scoring threat? Yeah, you
3: know, I think they are there. I think, first of all, you have to set up the environment, the correct environment for these fours to flourish. And, I mean, if you're slow in leaving in the ball and it gives an opportunity for opposing teams to get 10 and 12 players behind, it doesn't matter, I think, whether you're Dean Rock, whether you're David Clifford, it doesn't matter who you are, I think. If you're just going to be running into crowds of three and four people. So I think um, Cork need to find a way, whatever way that is, they need to find a way to deliver the ball early when there's space um, into these guys. Because I, I think, given the right environment, I think like Brian Hurley, Colomani in the future, Luke Connolly, um, these guys, I think, you know, Colomani shot at under 20 level. He's one of the best in the country at that age group, at that age level. So I don't think there's any reason why he can't progress on further. But Cork need to come up with a way in which they can allow these fours to flourish because I think it's it's very easy, you know, to base it all on on a couple of games this year. And everybody knows this was Cork's predominantly, predominant game is a running game and they are usually pretty effective with it because they have strong athletic runners and we are good at that. But it can be too easy to stop, I think, if teams cop on to what they're doing. So I think um, they need to come up with another system um, in which we can allow or an environment in which we can allow these forests to flourish. And that really means leaving the ball in early and finding a system of doing that.
2: Okay, then. Well, let's look ahead to the future for Cork football quickly. And we said that the loss takes the shine off the Kerry win, but it's still been a good season. Promotion from Division Three, a championship win over a top three or four team, and a hugely important amount of championship minutes for some of the younger generation. Rowan McCarthy's term is up, but surely he has to be given another crack at this after leading what's essentially been a positive rebuild over the last few years. So, Dermot, I'll come to you first on that one. What do you think is the next step Cork need to take?
3: Yeah, I think it, I think it's important not to base, you know, for Rowan himself and for the Cork County board, I think it's important not to base any decision, you know, on one game this year. So certainly not after this temporary game because, you know, when you look back after Kerry, um, people were lauding Ron McCarthy after the the tactical awareness and everything that he put together in order to beat Kerry, you know. So I think you probably have to take the whole um, his whole term of three years. So I think the very first um, year they were beaten they were beaten heavily by Kerry. Last year they were very unlucky um, in Championship and they ended up having a good run in the Super Eights, um, you know, taking Dublin to to 60 minutes really, you know, staying with them for that long. Um, and then this year, obviously beating Kerry was a huge plus um, and it ended with the disappointment to Debrary. But I suppose having said that as well, in his time, they went down to Division 3 and last year they ended up winning Division 3 league as well. So I suppose you have to take it in the whole. but w- one interesting thing I think that Ronan mentioned after the Kerry game was he said that um, when he came first, he felt that a- an important thing he had to do was change the culture within the Cork setup. Now, You know, I'm not privy to it, Kieran isn't, you aren't, we're not privy to what was actually going on, you know, within the dressing room walls or whatever. But if that is true, you know, and if he has changed the culture of Cork football in terms of work ethic and attitude and all that, then I think that's a huge, huge positive because Cork football was never going to be like a switch where you can turn it on and suddenly we'd be winning All-Irelands. It was always going to take time and, like, results were never going to be instant, um, so I think if if that is something that um, is a legacy of Ronan's, where he's changed the culture now, you have guys who are willing to work hard and, and train hard for each other, then I think that's a huge plus. Um, but uh, going forward, I suppose, I, I don't know whether it'll be Ronan's decision, decision or whether it'll be a county board decision, but um, I suppose the county board need to take a, a holistic approach on it and a view on it and see whether... They have made progress over these three years, and um, my own feeling is that I think they have. Um, I think you know, if the season ended after Curry last week, a lot of people's opinion would be that Cork are making serious progress here. So I think you wouldn't want to base it in one disappointing game because Cork players know themselves they were disappointing last Sunday, and the management will know they they were disappointing. You know, so I think um, it's a tough one, but um, I suppose. Ronan will know himself whether he feels he can get more out of this group or not,
2: and um, I suppose it's, it's up to the county board really after that. Kieran, um, you're writing about Ronan McCarthy in your column this week. Would you echo much of what Dermot's is saying
1: there? 100%. I think Dermot hit the nail on the head there, especially when it comes to that kind of the cultural change. Um, Ronan wants footballers or wants players who want to put football first, and I think that's so important. I think back to the Rowan's first year in charge, and I was up in Leash after uh, at Tyrone B. Cork. It was three twenty to thirteen points, and that was a terrible day. That was a really bad performance, and um, and that was that, that was a, that was a huge low for for for, for, for this Cork football team. Uh, it was, uh, my, little, my, little, uh, my little head bring in. Um, But since then, in in the past eighteen months, Cork under Rowan McCarthy and the management team that he's put in place would include Keen O'Neill, who was a very shrewd uh, acquisition, and. Kevin Smith there as well. They've definitely made progress in, in the last eighteen months. And Ronan mentioned after the last day that this was the big kind of disappointment for him is that this, Cork, this young Cork group missed out on the chance to test themselves in that Ireland semi-final against Mayo and Cork Park because he wants to see Cork involved in the big days on, on the big stage. And um, I feel that Ronan should be should, should, should be should be given another term. I think he's made enough progress over the last eighteen months. And he's bringing through this kind of new youthful wave, and I think um, I think he needs to see through a little bit more. Maybe Ronan won't be there to see this team come to its kind of reach its potential in a couple of years' time. But I think he's a very important job now to continue on the kind of the upward trend that they have enjoyed over the last eighteen months. Um, people would be very very quick to hammer the cock footballers again after what we saw last Sunday. I um, know kind of used to be said that the only consistent element about the Cork footballers in recent years was their inconsistency. But to be fair to them, over the last 18 months, I can't recall a performance as bad as they showed last Sunday against TIP. They've definitely got better in terms of, of, of consistency. They were putting up to the big teams last year. Um, there's going to be setbacks along the way. There's going to be bumps and bruises. Um, that was a particularly bad setback on, on Sunday, but I think Cork still need to take the positives from what they've they've achieved this year. And that was getting straight back out of, of, of Division 3 and back up to, to Division 2. And next year, Cork could face the likes of, of Mayo in Division 2. Leader there. Kildare are there. Clare are there. So it's the next step up. We're um, probably all asking too much to expect this Cork team to win an All-Ireland in the next three, two, three years. Um, but they're building towards something. And that should be a monster Championship whether it's next year or the year after that should be the target there but i think morning should stay there um because i think there, there are better days ahead for, for, this, for this for this current group
2: well let's leave it on that positive note then better days ahead for cork after a disappointing monster final loss thanks a million dear mid and thanks Ciaran.
0: access credit union has always been at the heart of our community through good and bad times we want to continue to play our part in helping our community through the COVID-19 crisis. As businesses reopen, we encourage our community to work together by staying local, borrowing locally and spending locally. Access Credit Union is here to help.
2: On Saturday at half 12, Cork meet Kilkenny in the All-Ireland Senior Camogie. Semi-final at Park of Cueve. Skeens, Orla Cronin was in flying form for Party Murray's side in the quarter-final win over Clare, scoring six points. And Kieran, she caught up with you ahead of Saturday's game. How is Orla keeping?
1: She's in good form, Jack. And um, big was a huge game for the for the Cork team this Saturday in Parky Quive uh, against Kilkenny. go um, back to last year and Cork brought out to the All Ireland series at the semi-final stage to call away. So party Murray's team, they're intent on getting back to an All Ireland final. Um, and you'd like to think that they have a very good chance. Kilkenny are fine, to be fair to them. Um, but Cork are, are more than well. It's it, it's a pretty kind of there's a new a few new faces in in this Cork team this year. And Paddy Barry's kind of he's building an, another pretty impressive side. And Orla Cronin is a is a huge part of that. Um, we've spoken about her a lot in the podcast. I suppose the improvements that she's made and. Um, She's shown that again in in this year's Championship. She's scored 20 points in three games. She's Cork's top scorer. She has a 100% record from freeze in the Championship so far, which is an incredible, um, incredible uh, rate to have. Um, She's the fifth top scorer in the Championship as a whole. So from those couple of headline stats alone, you can see that Orla Cronin is really continuing to take her game to the next level. And that's what Cork need because they're out the likes of Orla Cotter and Jim O'Connor. So they need... Orla Cronin. They need Laura Tracy in defence, Amy Amy O'Connor in attack. They need these players to kind of stand up and lead the way um, if Cork want to get back to another All Ireland final. So as you'll hear from the chat now with Orla, she's in good form. And we started by just having a quick look back at Inneskeen's recent County Intermediate Championship win. Delighted to be joined on the Star Sport Podcast by Orla Cronin. Uh, Cork Camogie Star, but before we talk about Cork's game against Kilkenny this Saturday, I have to congratulate you, Orla. I haven't spoken to you since in the scheme of crowned county intermediate Camogie means a couple of couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago at this stage. So huge congratulations on that! Like that must have felt like a huge monkey off the back.
4: Yeah, that was massive. Actually, um, it doesn't even seem that long ago. But I think since the sport, you know, started up again after the lockdown. Things kind of happened very quickly and, you know, all of a sudden we kind of found ourselves back in a counter-final again. Um, but like we had a difficult enough path, you know, we overcame Black Rock there with a really big game in the quarter-final. Um, Father and Niels as well in the semi and yeah, so I have all looked then another really tough battle in the final again. But yeah, I think it's definitely a highlight of the year so far for me, you know, um, and all the girls too. You know, I, I think we were just so happy to get the job done, you know for once and for all, um, and get off to the senior ranks, so yeah, it's been class.
1: And that was brilliant, it's definitely one of the kind of GA stories of the year, because you were so close for so many years, and you finally got over the line this year, which is absolutely brilliant, and like you said, you've seen your camogie to look forward to next year, the Cork County Championship, but switching in from, from club to county, how did you find that, Orla?
4: Um, I suppose I found it quite difficult, actually, you know, it. It's, you know, everything is very much a shorter season, you know, in both club and county. Um And I guess there wasn't much of a, a break or a let off at all, you know, between the club and county. Um So it was quite difficult. I suppose I was back on the Tuesday training, you know, with Cork after the uh, county final win within a scheme. So, you know, you'd be coming off such a high and then just to kind of get back to a, a different start of the season. then with Cork, it's kind of going from you know the end of one to the start of the other it is really hard and you know when you don't even get much of a break in between I guess more mentally it was kind of tough more than anything um so yeah I guess I did find that kind of tough um and then again you know you are playing at a different standard when it comes to county. so you know there wasn't much time to really think about the success you've had with club because it's a whole different ball game you know when you're coming to county standard and county level but um yeah, I you know I did give myself maybe uh, a week or two grace, you know, to kind of get back physically and mentally into the um, county thing. Um, and I suppose kind of once we started off the games, then there was kind of no thinking about the club. Um, yeah, so that that was it really. But it was tough. Yeah, you know, with the um, with the seasons being really short and that.
1: I suppose Cork had longer to wait for your championship debut than most. You got to walk over from Offaly in the in the first game of the group stage. So then there was kind of straight into, in, into the Wexford game. And that's a game he came through. It was 3 12 to 2-1-8, Cork won. Um Was that a game kind of just, kind of just to dust off, off, off the cobwebs, kind of get rid of the, detri- the dirty petrol out of the system and just try and get it up and running again?
4: Yeah, I think so. Like, we were so long waiting for our first game. Um, like, obviously, that awfully walkover that we got wasn't ideal, you know, because we hadn't had, had a game since the um, league... Earlier on there in back in February, something like that. um I think it was nearly two hundred and fifty days, or something you know, since we had last had a game, so it was a really long break, and I think it's it's very hard, I suppose, for every team to kind of pick up where they left off um at you know with the league and the big break in between, so yeah, coming into that Wexford game, you know, I think we were waiting around so long, we really just wanted to kind of see where we were. Um, and I think I suppose how we performed that day kind of showed that, that, that you know, we were a little bit rusty. Um, it might not have been as free flowing as we'd like to have have, it, have had it. Um, but, you know, it was a good one just to get done. Um, it was a tough battle against Wexford. You know, they they've improved now again in the last few years so I think it was a nice one to see where we were and just one to get over it and move on to the next round I think all we kind of needed was to just get the campaign off and started um, and I think each game since we've kind of learned you know a lot from each one of them.
1: Talking about learning a lot from each game it was then on, on up the Galway to take on the All-Ireland Chapman's in their own backyard and obviously Galway got the better of Cork in last year's semi-final just just by the narrowest of margins and he, you were kind of travelling up there. Both teams already knew that you were true to the knockout stages. It was just just to decide who would go straight to the semi, who would go to the quarter final. And Galway won 15 points to 12. And it was Rebecca Hennelly with those, I suppose, two sideline cuts, which were four points that made the difference. But I was, saw an interview with Hannah Looney from the beginning just gone. And what she said stood out her that day was the character that Cork showed up, up in Galway. Was it the same for you? Because I suppose she was saying she was a little bit kind of I suppose trepidation is the wrong word, but seeing what had happened the year before, she was kind of waiting to see what Cork would show up. And the Cork team that showed up really, really pushed Galway all the way.
4: Yeah, I think so. Like, I think since that draw was made, you know, earlier on in the year, it was one that we've been looking forward to, I guess, all year. Um, because, you know, I think Hannah mentioned it too, like we were very disappointed after last year's semi-final um, defeat. And yeah, I don't think we did ourselves justice. Um, and I think Hannah spoke as well of the intensity, you know, that Galway brought that day, and I suppose we felt that we didn't, you know, match that, or you know, we didn't, we didn't handle that as well as we wanted to or could have. Um, and I guess that was something that we had in mind, maybe going up to Galway the last day, that, you know, we weren't going to play as we did last year again in the semi. You know, we weren't going to, you know, let them play more intense than us or you know back down to that kind of intensity that they bring so I guess yeah you know it was a funny game in a way we were both um qualified for either a quarter or a semi so it was all kind of about a performance that day and yeah I I think we did show a lot of character you know um and yeah like those sideline cuts by Rebecca Henley you know will she ever get those again you you just don't know but I mean it's going to be more common now so um, yeah, there there was very little between us that day. I think Galway appreciated a tough game as well because, you know, they probably had had handy enough games coming up to that. So I think it probably stood to both of us. But yeah, I think we were very happy kind of walking away that day and, you know, we've gotten through the quarter now. So I think we're kind of building each week we go out
1: just on those sideline cuts for a second, what a skill that is, you know. And what you saw too that weekend is they got so much kind of social media exposure. You'd everyone looking in at these these two magnificent sideline cuts that, like we said, were worth four points. And it it just gave Komogi more exposure that weekend because even people who probably don't watch Komogi in the normal of norm things were watching this and saying, "Jesus, that's that's some skill."
4: Yeah, they were unreal. Like. I even remember thinking on the field, God, like, you know, she did two straight after each other, you know, like you'd be saying brilliant for the first one, but the second one was just like even better again. Um, And I think Chloe Sigerson had a chance then soon after and like hers just went just wide. So, you know, it's definitely things that um, we in Kamoa, we should be practising a bit more, especially when they're worth two points, you know, it's a lot. Um, But it can be done. So, yeah, I think like just that definitely promoted the skill that, you know, was on show for Camogie. Um, yeah, so look, there might be a few more sideline cuts like that to come in the Championship.
1: Hopefully they'll be in Cork's favour this Saturday. But like <laughs> you mentioned there, or the two you kind of came off the back of the guard defeat into an All-Ireland quarterfinal against Clare. And 3.15 to 8 points you won by the end. But that game was a lot closer than that scoreline suggested. I think Cork, like you finished so, so strong to put Clare away. But... Was that just a test you needed as well for maybe fifty minutes of that game to prepare you for what's coming against Cirkini this weekend?
4: Yeah, I think so. Like, I mean, I think no game really is going to be won in the first thirty minutes anymore. Or, you know, it's not going to be won in the first forty-five minutes. It's going to have to go the full sixty. You know, so I think we knew against Clare that they were going to put up that battle um, to us for as long as they could. Um, you know, they really kept us, you know, out defensively very well for a lot of that game. Um but I guess that's where, you know, our kind of resilience and, you know, attitude has to come in, um, coming up against better teams, you know, there's always a chance there to get the win in the end. So um I think that um the quarter final against Clare will stand to us, you know, and ensure that we can keep going the full sixty minutes and, you know, hopefully come out the better side of uh results, you know. So um yeah, we've a big challenge against Kilkenny now this weekend and I guess both of us really will kind of fancy our chances. You know, there's been nothing really between us, you know, the last few years. Um So, yeah, look, you know, we'll see how it goes.
1: You were more from pretty well against Clare. And I'm just going to read you a tweet that Aoife Murray, the, that's she's so decorated as obviously as a, as a Cork goalkeeper, retired now, but she said movement from Orla Cronin was outstanding again. Great game for Cork. Um, when you get praise like that, Orla, and you have kind of, written about it in the Southern Star extensively that you have kind of become one of the leaders of this Cork team and you're so so integral to how the how the attack operates when you when you hear praise like that from someone like Aoife Murray like how does how does that sit with you
4: um yeah that's great sure like I'm mad about Aoife and we've had a great relationship you know down through the years um and I guess you know Aoife probably know a lot of us on the team now more than anyone else so I think I suppose it's easy for her to maybe uh, see those kind of things within my game, you know, maybe that others mightn't see. Um, But, yeah, you know, it's it's great to kind of get that acknowledgement. But, look, I think that movement is just part of hard work that kind of has to come with everyone. And, you know, if you're, if you're not moving, you're not going to get yourself in the game. So, or you're not going to create opportunities, you know, for other people around you. So, I guess that's kind of, you know, my goal every game is to, Work as hard as I can off the ball as I can on the ball, um, and you know with hopefully good results come out of that. Then,
1: like just mentioned, Efa there obviously Efa has retired from from Camogie, so Amy Lee's in goal, and it's one of a number of changes on on this Cork team. I think your average age against Clare was twenty four, and there's been a three or four kind of championship debutants as as well this year, kind of, and with Jenna O'Connor and Julia White kind of injured as well. The likes of yourself, Amy O'Connor, Laura Tracy, Henna. Like, if you had to take on more of a leadership role, even again to kind of, kind of steer Cork through the season.
4: Yeah, I think so. I think especially this year. And now I suppose every year we're kind of saying that there's a team in transition, and you know we've we've kind of new players coming in in some shape form um, each year. But yeah, you know, without those players that you mentioned there, say Gemma, Efa, obviously is a massive loss, and Orla Cotter. So I suppose those three that we have been without so far this year um, have been really big loss, you know, and big boots to fill. So I guess like myself, Amy, Laura, Tracy, Hannah, you know, we've been playing with them for a number of years now too that I guess we've learned a lot off them and, you know, realised that I suppose it's more up to us now, you know, than anyone else to kind of carry the team and, you know, bring the others along again. So I guess it just kind of happens organically really you know and you you kind of have no other choice and you kind of fit into that for all i suppose <laughs> without even realizing it um but yeah you know you do have an onus on you to to help the girls the new girls that are in and the debutants you know that have started so yeah look it's 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 um i suppose it's kind of a natural thing now for us
1: and leaders will be important in in to saturday party when cock take on Kilkenny in the. All-Ireland's semi-final um, you're two teams that know enough that about each other you've met so many times over the years in, in big games two All-Ireland Finals All-Ireland semi-finals um, what do you expect enough them this weekend?
4: Um, yeah I think they're they're going to be a really good side like um, we're going to be up against it I think um, but look I think that both of us will fancy our chances you know um Playing in Parkhead, I guess that is, you know, some sort of advantage for us in home venue and like, you know, lovely pitches everybody's seen the last number of weeks. Um, but I think it'll suit both of us, and I think it'll be an opportunity for both teams, you know, to showcase, you know, a, a really good game. Um, like Kilkenny have been down this road, you know, so many times the last number of years that they 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 won't fear it, and I guess we've been the same. So. You know, there's going to be nothing in it. Um, I think we're going to expect the same as always from them. You know, that physical battle, um, the pace, and all that. You know, we will, really, we will really, um, expect it. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see who comes out on the on the best side now on Saturday.
1: I know I've talked to obviously Paddy Murray countless times over the years and he's a man who's never happy to sit still and he was even saying after the Clare game that, that he wants Cork to take it on to another level against Kilkenny but I presume that you you got to know that yourselves that you need to just kind of up the, the performance that much more to get to get to that final
4: Yeah, definitely and I think it's in us you know what like I think the last few games we have learned a lot Um you know, there's we've been figuring out a lot of things as we've gone on and, you know, as I said, it's been hard, you know, for every team, I guess, to kind of pick up where, you know, from your training that you did at the start of the year to kind of have it ticking again over it when you come to this stage because the weeks have come so fast you kind of don't have much time to realize maybe things that you can fix but I think we've acknowledged a lot of those um you know areas that we need to change or areas that we need to work on and I think we've been building each game and you know figuring out you know um what could work best for us so yeah look I mean whatever way we play all it's gonna take is you know playing our hearts out I guess on Saturday um working as hard as we can and you know hopefully that will pay off then
1: and how much are you looking forward to playing in Park? Have, like, the pitch is looking sensational the last couple of weeks. It's in top, Nick.
4: Yeah, oh, it's brilliant. And so lucky that, you know, we get to play there second time. You know, obviously we had the quarterfinals there and it's just an added boost again that we get to play the semi final there. But I think it's a no-brainer, really. Like, you look at all the pitches around the country and it looks like the best one, best surface at the moment. So, like, it's made for hurling. It's made for fast game. And it's brilliant to be able to say that, you know, coming into december you know that you can still have that summer hurling like you know approach inside in the park the week so yeah i'm you know i can't wait for it
1: and hopefully we'll all be celebrating the cork win this saturday the very best in the corner.
4: great thanks so mel Kieran.
0: access credit union has always been at the heart of our community through good and bad times we want to continue to play our part in helping our community through the covid-19 crisis As businesses reopen, we encourage our community to work together by staying local, borrowing locally and spending locally. Access Credit Union is here to help.
2: Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And before we wrap things up here, you might just give us an idea of what readers can expect in this week's Southern Star Sports section.
1: Yeah, pretty good on this week, Jack. And We picked the bones over Cork's defeat to... Tip in last Sunday's Munster final. Um, John Hayes shares his thoughts on, on the big game with reaction from, from both camps as well. and As well as I think we look forward to the Cork King-Kinney game as well with interviews with Hardy Murray, Hannah Looney and Ola Cronin. So plenty of reading there. An interesting one, Jack, is John McCarthy picks his top 10 sports books of the year. So they're ideal Christmas presents for the sports fan in your life. So that's one worth checking out. Um we also um, look at the rise of Kilmichael Rovers who are celebrating their 25th anniversary they're a a soccer club doing great things at the moment and great to see as well Gavin Coombs was at his try scoring best form again for Munster Monday night when they won away to Glasgow and for the second match in a row Gavin Coombs was named man of the match so this was the the West Cork rugby mafia as they've been described on social media a couple of times they continue to go from strength to strength so It's
2: a pretty action-packed sports section again this week, Jack. Okay, Kieran. sounds good. And if you can't make it to the shops to pick up a copy, you can always purchase an edition of... You can purchase our digital edition online. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the Southern Star for less than €2 per week. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Slantongle.